Welcome to Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive, featuring conversations with performing artists and industry influencers on what it takes to succeed in the arts. I am your host, Diane Foy, and I believe that you really can make a living from your creative talents. As a publicist, podcaster, and coach, my mission is to educate, motivate, and empower you to thrive with authenticity, creativity, and purpose. Hello, and welcome to episode number 35 of Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive. Today's guest is widely considered one of Toronto's hip-hop legends, Solitaire. His many contributions have made an indelible impact on the Canadian urban music landscape and the music industry as a whole. In 1999, at the age of 23, Solitaire made his mainstream musical debut on Chaclair's first major label album, Ice Cold, producing four songs and was featured on several others. The album went gold in less than 30 days. Though he saw great success in his previous releases, Solitaire's breakout came in 2001 when he released two iconic Canadian hip-hop songs. Bacardi Slang by Cardinal Official, produced by Solitaire, with his unique style combining island music sensibilities with hip-hop's gritty urban soundscape. And Easy to Slip by Solitaire, a song he wrote as an ode to fallen friends, which continues to be hailed as one of Canada's greatest hip-hop songs, and received a Juno nomination for Best Rap Recording. As Solitaire became a highly sought-after producer, he worked on albums by a number of Canadian heavyweights, including Chaclair, Cardinal Official, Julie Black, Chaos, Maestro Fresh West, and The Rascals. With Cardinal, he traveled the world performing as part of his world-renowned stage show. In 2014, Solitaire and three other producers partnered up on the recording studio for Sound Media. Since taking the reins, he's been recording, mixing, mentoring, and collaborating with many of hip-hop's most talented emerging artists, and continues to work on adding more great songs to his musical legacy. After 20 years in the music industry, Solitaire gives back to the community of Toronto by speaking to at-risk youth in high schools, and has recently been working with FU, the Forgiveness Project who are working with young men currently serving time in the Canadian prison system. With the founder of FU Project, Tara Muldoon, Solitaire is working on a podcast. And that is how I came to meet this wonderful talent and invited him on the show. Hello, hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. We met at the Hot Docs Podcast Festival. Indeed we did. Yes, and you won the pitch competition. Yes, <laughs> surprising. I was I was quite surprised with some really good podcasts that we were up against. Yeah, it was really cool to watch all the presentations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, did you? Was it a course that you took to be a part of that? Yes. How it, did that work? It was called the Podcast Night School, 
and it was okay. a, it was a week long course, and they gave some background as to like what is involved in the creating of a podcast, from the marketing to the recording to the interviews, and it was actually quite an informative uh, uh, class. I think it could have really gone on to be a lot longer than it was. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and then, cool. what are some of the things that you won? Because you won like uh, stuff from CBC. Yes, so we got some studio time from Rogers. We won uh, a consultation from a from a branding branding and marketing consultant. We won we won uh, some legal counsel, some voice training. Yeah, so it was quite a bit of stuff that we won. Wow, that's really cool. So. Um, I don't know if you looked into what this podcast is, but it's mostly for performing artists. Yes. Um, I interview successful performing artists and also some industry people. I do some solo shows. Mm -hmm. And it's all just to motivate and educate up-and-coming artists. Very cool. Yeah. Very so cool. I want to do a little bit of a This Is Your Life. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm ready. T tell me your life from beginning to end. Go. Um, <laughs> So, when you were growing up, what drew you to music? You know, I was always kind of, um, I was always a fan of music. I used to grow up listening, to, you know, to the stuff that my brother listened to, like Huey Lewis and the News and the Police and um, Whitney Houston, pretty much what was on commercial radio. And then when I got a little bit older and I met one of my oldest friends at the time, uh, he introduced me, well, I, I mean, my brother actually introduced me to hip hop, but then my friends that I had met through, his name is Marvel, is a, he's a rapper from Toronto. He introduced me to some other guys. One of them was Cardinal at the time. He was went by Kool-Aid, and through them I learned that there was actually an opportunity to, to create this music. Um, from a production standpoint and write rhymes and that's I guess that was pretty much the inception of my um, hobby at the time of making hip-hop beats and, right. and writing rhymes and then it kind of really just grew from there it really was born out of as of a hobby to be honest with you and then it kind of just manifests itself uh, the first um, guy that got a record deal was Shaq Lair from our from our crew the the circle and then right. that's pretty much where it went from hobby to actual calling slash profession because he came to me and he had wanted this piece of uh, music that I had created and he's like you know I can't I, and he had basically had to run me down he's like I, you know I I can pay you for this I want this and I, I have money and I was like oh you're gonna pay me for this I'm like yeah sure <laughs> And uh, I think it was like for $3,000 or something like that, which was a million dollars at the time. And um, yeah. everything kind of went from there. And you were more producing other artists at that time? I was doing, I was, yeah, doing production. I was also an artist myself, but um, so I, I did rap on his album and I also produced like five songs on his first album um, called Ice Cold that went, that was, uh, it went gold in 30 days at the time. Wow. Yeah. And so how did you learn all this? Uh, pretty much through osmosis. I'm a, I'm a visual learner. So we would just kind of, you know, we were part of, a, of a, a community initiative at the time. I don't know uh, how old you are, if you remember a program in Ontario by 
premier Bob Ray called the Joy Program. Jobs, okay. Jobs Ontario Youth. It was a program created. It was actually after the the infamous Toronto riots that were in support of the LA riots after the Rodney King verdict and you know anyway long oh, story wow. short long story short they uh, you know after the the young street riots they wanted to get kids off the street so they created this jobs ontario youth program and from jobs ontario youth was born this organization called fresh arts um, fresh arts was a collective of uh, mentors who taught young people about theater and and hip hop and and um all different uh, disciplines of um, of the arts, and that's kind of where I we got a lot of learning about how to, you know, how to sample records, where these samples came from, how to use, you know, go to a studio and create a song, and what the process is involved in that. So, and then prior to that, you know, we just learned just basically by investing, you know, saving our lunch money. Um, had a friend that had a studio, so we would spend our money going there and just basically learning on the fly a lot of it was just you know just taking the initiative just you know i think anybody will 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 vouch for if it's something that you love to do you'll always find a way to do it it might not even be like the quote-unquote right path or whatever but you know you'll find a way to to personalize it and make it your own way and i think in a lot of ways that's more rewarding than you know following the the school path and just you know doing following the steps that like they're supposed to be yeah, yeah. Like I think sometimes young artists uh, make a lot of excuses of why they can't. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's like if you want something bad enough, you will find the way. <laughs> yeah, that, I think that's the main. That's the main thing. I think that um, it, whether you say you can or you you can't, you're right. You need right. A, you know, you'll find a reason. You'll find a way to do it, or you'll find a, an excuse. Yeah, mm. and you've worked with like pretty much. You know, anyone who's anyone in the Canadian hip hop. So uh, Cardinal, Chuckler, uh, Maestro, yeah. Rascals, Chaos, I saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like working with some of those artists? And um, how did you connect with them? Oh, man, it was amazing to work with all of them because I have a, a, a personal relationship with all of them in uh, various capacities. So it's always a, a pleasure. I, I like to be in the room and creating and kind of having a conversation about, you know, when, when you're creating a song, the I find the best work comes from when you're working with somebody that you have a rapport with. So I always try to start there and figuring out, you know, what is it that you want to say? What do you want to say with this song? And what's in your mind right now? What's, where's your head at? Or what do you not want to say? Or how do you not want to be seen? Just kind of going through that whole process. And, and then, you know, just getting down to the music and figuring out what their tastes are. It's like a real, it's like a real journey, a labor of love, so to speak. And um, it's been great. Like I like being in the, they were all, this was at the time when you actually had to be in the space to create together, it wasn't as much online collaborations. Right. So, yeah, it's always, as you can imagine, it's always fun to get into studio. You know, some guys are drinking, some guys are smoking, and we're all just collaborating and having a good time. So it was really, really amazing and fun times just creating, and pretty much with all of them. I, th- I remember uh, one that stands out for me was, rascals actually flew me out to la 
to uh, to work on a project. So that was really the time when we got a, a chance to really bond. Yeah. Because um, we were out there for like a week and they had their studio set up in their in their hotel room and, you know, we just kind of hung out. We took, they took me to the shooting range <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, just just vibed as brothers and and then created from there so that was that was dope but they were all they were all memorable in their own ways yeah and you went on a world tour with cardinal with cardi and with chocolate yeah we toured oh, okay yeah we toured a, a lot i've been to a lot of places i'm definitely blessed for that what was your favorite place oh man <laughs> favorite place Europe was always a good time. I mean, when you're when you're on the road. Oh, actually, no, let me take that back. Europe was Europe was a good time, but I think my favorite place was the first time we went to India. We did. Um, we went to like four cities: Pune, Mumbai, um, Hyderabad, and um, oh, I can't remember the name of the last city. I think it's in the northern part. But it was just you know. I think that was the really the first time that we went somewhere completely out of our element as far as like the culture and you know the living conditions and really being on the ground and feeling that energy was was a new experience for us so that was that's always the most memorable but we've also done crazy shows in like shanghai um france we we actually went to like wine country and did like the smaller or southern like south of france and stuff like that but I think my favorite places, uh, favorite shows have been in um, probably in South of France and in India. Wow. Mm. And so at what point did you release your own music? So were you, you were producing for other artists and also collaborating with them on their albums, but when did it transition to you creating your own music and releasing it? Well, I had been released. I've released music pretty much uh, sporadically throughout the whole time. So, I, but not like I've released a couple of mixtapes. I've released a lot of singles. Um, so I've been like my first single uh, that was out on vinyl is a song called "Silver Surfer," and that was I want to say like 1996. So I'd always been releasing music of my own, but I never had. Uh, publishing deal i know cardi got a publishing deal which allowed him to have a budget to record more stuff and buy equipment shockware he got a record deal socrates they got a record deal so because they were in these situations where they had a budget and they were artists and they you know they were looking for music it was just an easier role for me to fill in so um but yeah i'd always been working on like uh, my own music. I just didn't have the same platform at the time to release it. It was all independent releases, but um, right. there were, you know, the the one big, the biggest song that I ever put out was a song called "Easy to Slip," and yeah. that was nominated for a for a Juno. So that was re- that was really great. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's really cool. Yeah, and so, how has the Canadian hip hop industry changed over the last twenty some odd years? You know, in many ways it's changed and in many ways it's stayed exactly the same. I think one thing that stayed the same is there's always been uh, a depth of talent in the city as far as like whether, you know, contemporary or even back in the quote unquote golden age of hip hop, 
the talent pool has not decreased whatsoever. What has changed is obviously, you know, now there is an appetite, an actual legitimate appetite around the world for music coming out of Toronto. Um, I know a lot of people will attribute that to the phenomenon of Drake, but, you know, digging a little deeper, more people who are in tune with the scene and and its evolution will say that it, you know a lot uh, a lot of things have been done like hard now touring in the states and getting played on BET and Shockler um, releasing his album and ver- of through Virgin US or sorry Priority at the time a lot of groundwork was laid um, breaking down those doors um, to get to gain that acceptance particularly in America. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like what's changed now is I think the the rise of the independent artist, the ability to be able to, you know, produce and, and distribute your music without, you know, literally from the comfort of your own home has kind of taken away a little bit of the, the mystery behind, you know, how music is produced. And it used to be, you know, artists were revered a little bit more, but now it's like, I think the value from, you know, the technology of being able to compose music has made it a lot more accessible, which I think has removed a lot of artist development and taking the time to master your craft because it seems so easy, especially with a lot of the hip hop that's coming out today, not trying to throw shade at that specifically, but, um, it's a lot it's a lot more accessible which means there's a lot more trash that you have to sort through to get to the really really good stuff yeah um, i see that in every genre that i work with yeah, it's um yeah. you know artists are eager and because you can release it yourself now they're like okay it's done let's put it out and i'm like wait 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 hold hold on yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah exactly <laughs> like there's some things that you could do that will make this a more successful launch. I'm, I'm like the marketing girl. So <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that, um, you know, looking at the grind of it, it just seems it's easy. It's easy to look away or ignore the grind of what it takes to build a fan base because it seems so easy when you're looking at it online. Oh, I just got to post it and get to create an Instagram account create a YouTube account, upload it, and then just watch the numbers go up. And it's like, no, there's a lot more to it than that. And I think that um, there's a lot more turnover of artists as well, too, I find, like, because it seems so accessible and they they invest to whatever their $1,000 and buy the equipment and produce whatever horrible music that they're producing. (laughs) And then uh, they realize it's, uh, you know, it's like, hey, this is not uh, as easy as it looks in it. Yeah, and they wonder, what's that? why didn't that happen? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's a lot harder than I thought. Yeah, yeah exactly. that's part of why I like to talk to people on this podcast because, you know, especially if you talk to people that, you know, are big names or have had that huge success, mm-hmm. it's like, let's hear about the struggle. Let's hear mm-hmm. how hard you work to get mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Nobody gets there overnight. Nobody. There's a, we call it a 10-year overnight success. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, to overnight success, 10 years of the movie, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, definitely, I think that, um, you know, it's it's easy and Instagram and social media has made it so easy to curate your your social feed that it makes it look like it's effortless and it's 
it's such a like a deception um and a lot of artists nowadays you'll find um, that they're more focused on the presentation of their image than the yeah. content of the music that they're putting out and uh, yeah. you know, it's just a sign of the times i think that you know music is uh has suffered i think because of it but not just music i think just like people in general are just putting up these these facades because they want to be perceived a certain way but then yeah. you, you know you look at you i teach a lot of like personal branding in the sense that try to not putting a brand on you let's figure out what are your skills your personality mm -hmm. your interests your passions and how to communicate that right. through your branding and for artists that are reluctant to do that, I say, look at all those artists that are not as talented as you, mm. but they're more successful. Exactly. Look what they're doing. A million and it's dollars. like, yeah. They <laughs> mm. say, um, hard hard work trumps talent. Nine, yeah. Nine times out of ten. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, what is your relationship with social media? Do you love it? Do you hate it? Do oh, you... it's horrendous. I don't know if you've I don't know if you've perused my social media, but I post <laughs> like maybe uh, I think I've posted the most frequently I have in months, and I think that's been like a couple of weeks between posts. I'm definitely not, you know, for me it was a, it's a love hate thing. I think when it was fresh and new and innocent, and there wasn't such thing as social media influencers and you know yeah. people who uh you know like are becoming fanatics of curating their feed and all that kind of stuff like when it was just hey you have cool pictures and you follow your friends and you share like funny stuff and it was like less pressure to to perform so to speak on yeah. social media is when i enjoyed it the most but like as soon as it started to your point like i i'm uh i'm in the matrix in the sense of i know and understand my marketing and branding like i've i've lived it through you know when we were coming up and it was obviously way more involved because it was real world real time you know what i mean couldn't really fast forward it so i've seen how it works but i've never really seen myself as a brand or like considered branding myself as an artist that was something that you know from from how we came up it was like that was what the label did you just be an artist and yeah. somebody will take care of us so now that it's kind of fallen on the artist to oversee their own branding it's like to your point i would rather be like listen you're the marketing brain i can i can answer your questions in terms of like you know who i am and what i want to convey but curating that is, n is not something that is exciting to me so i've kind of really fallen back from it it's it's a necessary it's a necessary annoyance so but i i literally like the last for the last little while i've been kind of agonizing over well i have to i have to post something content is king i gotta put up a picture and see yeah. what i'm look like today <laughs> you know so it's it's uh, it's definitely understanding I understand the necessity of it, but I'm I'm not at all enthused. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, like what what you do, people want to see that behind the scenes stuff. So, like, yeah, if yeah. you're just you're just in the studio, yeah, I want to see a picture of you in the studio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and the problem is, I'm introverted. I'm a, I'm an introverted extrovert. So I can I love I have you know very comfortable and confident 
on stage as you as you uh, yeah. would, uh, witnessed, but the process to me has always been, you know, I like to be behind there. I mean, work if I'm working with an artist, I'm working with the artist or whatever the case is, but I like it to be a mystery. I like to have that be like, I wonder what his process is and, you know, right. maybe let people in at your, you know, in a way that you can control. So it's, it's a little bit of a challenge, but you know. Yeah. It works differently now. Cause that was the thing back in the day where, you know, you didn't know every single thing about the artist. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Now they want to know everything. What color yeah. socks are you wearing today? <laughs> I need to know. <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah, that's, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I, I, I'm on it. That's the thing. Like I, I, even, I know people are like, I don't like Facebook, but I, I think that the way that I've curated and kind of organized my social media feeds is mm-hmm. I I enjoy scrolling. I just don't enjoy my own participation or I like it. I enjoy it in doses. Yeah. 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 I think I'm the same. Yeah. Even though I teach this stuff, I'm introvert and it's hard to kind of put yourself out there in certain ways. And, and sometimes when I'm at an event, I just want to enjoy the event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so I'll take that one photo. Okay. Were we done now? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it is a you have to keep kind of pushing yourself or try to figure out ways that you could post more often, like maybe yeah. plan ahead on things. Yeah, all the I've 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 been dragged to the ringer by pretty much everybody, <laughs> all of my friends, especially the ones who are like in marketing and branding. They're like, you gotta post, yeah. you have to post. Don't think about it. Just post. I'm like, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. That's cool though. Cool. So you released new music this year. I did. I did. I released a couple of singles, independent, um, more so uh, that was motivated by, you know, a lot of my artist friends and producer friends who have come by the studio and heard, like, I've definitely got a lot of unreleased music. <laughs> my girlfriend teases me about that sometimes, too. She's like, oh, you know, you should put it out, babe. I'm like, yeah, you know, I will. But it's... um. <laughs> You know, it's just one of my one of those things in terms of like I'm I'm a little bit of a OG in hip hop, so it's kind of like I don't want to try to compete with these younger artists. I want to just create a platform for myself. But I because of all the other stuff that I'm involved with, like the the Fu project, and I also manage and produce for a couple of artists, and I own a recording studio and and music school. So I have a lot of stuff that keeps me busy and. But yeah. people who are fans of your music, they're just like, why aren't you putting out new music? It's like, oh, because I'm, I'm starting to see why. <laughs> yeah, you know, but uh, it's, I still, it is still, there is definitely music there. I definitely plan on putting out music, but it's not, you know, it's not uh, that high of a priority for me right now. My priority is putting out, is working on uh, the artists that I work with and and my other businesses. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So everyone else will have to bug you. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I'm cool with that. Cool yeah. With that. Um, so the other stuff that you do, uh, you produce for other artists and you manage and develop artists? Yes, yes. I do consultations for artists who are, you know, trying to figure out um, who they want to be as an artist and what kind of music they want to release. I, I have people coming up to me all the time asking for advice and stuff like that. So I do consultations. I uh, I manage I I was um I manage 
two artists, one a little bit more hands-on, the other one is more just so as a, like a engine, as like a studio engineer to his, cause he's pretty self-contained in terms of the stuff that he does. His name is Drew James. And then there's another artist, um, R&B artist that I work with named Yana. So those are, those are my artists that I work with on a consistent basis, but I've got a, a bunch of clients that I'll do studio work for recording and mixing and all the back end stuff. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And what do you look for in a, an artist that you, that would make you want to work with them? Uh, I, I well, you know, I guess ta- not talent, but I think that style and, and that, I guess, you know, the French would say je ne sais quoi, that, that intangible quality is very subjective. For me, I have to, like, thoroughly enjoy listening to that artist's music, whatever it is. I don't, like, whatever genre, because um, I get artists that are pitching me all the time and, you know, everybody's supremely confident and like, Yo, you know, this is the hit and all this kind of stuff. And they'll send it to me. And I'm like, uh, I don't like this at all. So I think that's rule number one is it has to move me. It has to make me say, who is this? And then from there, it's like, you know, what is your work ethic like? Um, Is there something, is there like with me joining the project, joining the team, working on your project, can I bring something additional to the table? I'm not, you know, I'm not just an opportunist that just wants to jump on a, on a rising ship. You know, I'd want to feel like, uh, there's something that I can do to make this better. So I kind of look yeah. at it like that. And then um, temperament is a huge thing because if you, you know, doesn't matter how talented the person is, if they can't take constructive criticism or they can't work with people, then, you know, I'm definitely not at, <clears throat> I'm too far gone in my life to, to try to accommodate for people that are going to steal your spirit. <laughs> and, yeah, and yeah, exactly. Make the world, you know, we're, we're in the creative field. It's supposed to be enjoyable. Yeah. There's struggles and there's hard times, but you know, when you're doing something you love, you can, you know, make it through the hard times because you find happiness in the creation. So that's the, those are kind of the most important factors for me. Um, I like I like the diamond in the rough too, so it doesn't have to be something that's like fully ready to go or polished, super polished or anything like that. But there's got to be like an element, either if it's a singer, like there's a unique quality to their voice, or if it's a if it's a rapper, there's you know a diversity of styles that he can or lanes that he can write, he or she can write to. You know, those are those are the things that move me the most. Right. And so you have a music school. Yeah. What's that about? Yeah, it's a music school. It's it was one of those things that we we inherited in a lot of ways. The space that our studio is at, we started off there by subleasing the space from um, from this engineer, from the previous owners who were looking to transition onto traveling and doing music on the road. So we took over, we subleased the studio from him and then he had wanted to get rid of the whole space and get rid of his obligations. So he sold us the rights to the music school. We changed the name and now we operate um, for sound music, which teaches piano, drums, hand drumming, guitar, 
Uh, we have private DJ classes with uh, world-renowned um, turntablist DJs, um, DJ Grouch. Um, and yeah, we also offer programs in recording arts, mixing, and everything to do with music production. And that's been five years since we started that. Oh, that's cool. And so yeah. do you get involved in teaching the music business and marketing and all that? Or is that for, it's, that's for someone else? That's <laughs> no, I, I, we do that on a consultation basis, but primarily our demographic for students is much younger and they're pretty much just at the beginning stages. We have a few right. more mature students who are a lot further along in their music lessons, but for the most part, it's beginners learning how to take piano, like grade one, or, you know, there's uh, the, most of the consultation uh, for and discussions around the music business are associated with the studio aspect. So it's artists that come to record with us or, or do like consultations for production and stuff like that. That's right. where, that's where those discussions happen. Yeah. They're more ready to release. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so you volunteer to speak at high schools for at-risk students. What got you into that? Uh, Just a sense of of giving back. I've always believed in mentorship. I am definitely a proud um, uh, uh, recipient of having great mentors in music and in life and um, that have steered me off the wrong path and encouraged me to pursue my dreams and stay focused on becoming a better person. So I feel like it's important when you're in the, you know, when you're an artist or if you're an athlete, you have people looking up to you and looking to you for guidance. And, you know, I think it's important that you take some time and give back to those kids and show them that there is other possibilities, other alternatives to what it, a lot of them are facing, which is some pretty dire circumstances. So, yeah, I've been doing that pretty much as long as I've been doing music in uh, various capacities, mostly as an independent, because when you are working with organizations, there's a lot of politics because everybody's kind of fighting for the same pool of money to keep their programs going. Right. So it's a really it's a really difficult space to be in where you're the work is super challenging, but like just staying afloat as an organization is uh, is wears on a lot of people who are in that sector. There's a lot of uh, very high rate of burnout. So me being uh, busy, obviously in doing music and on that capacity, uh, I would I kind of. I'm able to, I was able to kind of go in and out at my leisure and convenience in terms of like what fits into my schedule, but I always try to do it as often as I can. Right. And then you're involved in the Forgiveness Project. What is that? Yes. FU, the Forgiveness Project, uh, is an incredible organization that was founded by Tara Muldoon, my partner in the Look Both Ways podcast. As an organization, their 2020 is their 10-year anniversary. So it's been been in existence for 10 years. It started off as um, a series of events where they can provide safe spaces for people who have been victims of assault, uh, trauma, anxiety, 
um, violence. Um, it started off as, uh, like I said, a safe space for primarily females, but then obviously there's a lot of other people who would come to the events and share their stories about, and most of the, com- anytime we start uh, a panel discussion or, or even the work at the jail, the conversation always starts with the question, what does forgiveness look like? And it's kind of, it's really just like a, opening Pandora's box for discussion around anxiety and PTSD and, you know, anger management, conflict resolution, restorative justice, and all these themes that a lot of uh, people are facing, which are with our demographic, um, especially in the jail is um, gang identified youth. Um, So those are definitely significant themes in their lives and forgiveness is we don't, offer it as the ultimate solution but more so as a tool that you can use to kind of you know forgive yourself for the mistakes that you made you know a lot of as a society we kind of hold everybody to this these standards of like well once you've made a mistake especially with you know young men in the criminal justice system it's like you become defined by that and uh, no you were a whole entire person before you got into custody and you know focusing on the humanity of it um, and forgiveness, the discussions that we have around that really gives a lot of insight into how people um, deal with conflict and deal with difficult circumstances. Like we'll ask um, at the beginning of the workshop, uh, beginning of the group, we'll say, you know, who in here believes that they're owed an apology, like someone owes them an apology and everybody will put their hands up. And how many people in here feel like you yourself owe somebody an apology? And people will put their hands up too, but there's a lot more reflecting on like, hmm, let me think about that. You don't really, you know, in other words, you're always thinking about, well, so-and-so wronged me and, you know, the society and the system, but like how much accountability are we taking within ourselves to people that we owe apologies to? And, you know, if we're, everybody's walking around feeling like, they deserve or they're owed an apology, but they don't owe anybody an apology. There's a lot of people walking around really frustrated with not, you know, getting what they feel they deserve and how much is that affecting everybody's outlook and interactions and decision-making. So it's really kind of like a gateway into a a broader discussion about all those issues. That's cool. And do you bring like other experts in or is it just more? Well, Tara has a background, Tara has a background in, in doing therapy work. We don't call it therapy because music therapy is a very specific uh, discipline, but because we're both in the music industry, we use music as a way to open up these conversations. You know, it's more peer support that we, we would define it as, but we do bring in experts um, that we can get into the jail. (laughs) That's the most important part um, to, to facilitate these discussions on a deeper level. Cool. And then is it from that that you're building the podcast? Yeah. Yeah. So the podcast was born out of this idea of telling these guys stories because like I said, a lot of times, you know, you read the headline, oh, there was a police raid in, you know, in Rexdale and they, in the sweep, they arrested 40 guys. Well, guess what? Those guys, that's 40 guys that are now caught up in a criminal justice case. Uh, some of their names have been published. They're incarcerated and they're innocent, but they now have that stigma placed on them. 
and now they are just defined by their crime. Whereas, you know, what was your life like? What was your family life like? Did you have brothers and sisters? Did you go to school? What was your favorite subject in school? You know what I mean? Like giving, showing empathy to the fact that they've had a story, they've lived a life prior to being, you know, arrested or you know being charged or what have you so the the focus of that podcast is born out of the stories that we've been witnessed to in custody from the guys in custody and the five episodes that we've recorded so far have been former participants in our jail program that are now out and they're in the you know in the process of trying to better their lives Right. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. It's inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. It, 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 it's, it's funny. You find the inspiration from these guys in these most troubling circumstances. So it's kind of like, you know, what, what, uh, you know, what's our excuse to not be more. Yeah. And probably they don't get asked a lot of these questions. It's like, right. just, oh, you're the guilty guy, go to jail, whatever. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, everyone has a story. Mm-hmm. Everyone has experiences That's that right. led them to that. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, cool. Is there yeah, anything you. else you want to share? Uh, um, I guess uh, just, uh, you know, you could plug my, my uh, inconsistent social media <laughs> tag <laughs> uh, at social, uh, at solitaire music. Oh, I, you know what? I actually, um, I have a radio show as well okay. on Saturday mornings uh, from 10 a.m. to 12 noon. It's called Hashtag. It's more of a, you know, of an opinion-based show where we discuss, you know, stories that that move us or that are, you know, discussed amongst our friends and stuff like that that we really want to talk about. Um, we have interviews. We have um, – I have a – a small music segment where I, you know, I'll highlight like my favorite song of the week, but we have like music news, but it's primarily a, uh, a discussion show where we talk about different opinions about what's going on in the news and stuff like that. And that's on vibe one Oh five every Saturday from 10 to 12. Oh, that's cool. I'll check that out. And I think it's funny that it's called hashtag (laughs) when you're, um, social media <laughs> reluctant yeah yeah you know, I know it's such a social media word hashtag <laughs> i know i know that was kind of it we used it because obviously like the popular hashtags i mean the popular topics of the day when they're trending they use the hashtag to talk about it so that's where the name came from yeah i know it's not the most original i know there's a few other around the world like in the states and stuff like that that have shows called by that name but there's nothing like our show Right, yours is different. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So I'll, sh- I'll include links to all of that Amazing. in the show Thank notes. You. Thank you. And uh, yeah, so your Instagram and Twitter, you're all the same. Yeah, solitaire at, at solitaire music. S O L I T A I R music. There's no, I don't spell my name with the e like the card game. There's no e. In right. <laughs> wonderful well thank you so much for sharing your experiences no no problem thank you for having me i appreciate it it was so great to talk to solitaire he's so nice and humble it's canadian it's a canadian thing i'm a big fan of our canadian hip-hop pioneers and cardinal and maestro you're on my list of other artists to have on the podcast this year 
I've met Cardinal quite a few times. He's also very nice and humble. Oh, and Mishimi. Oh, we gotta get our queens. Mishimi. I met her before, too. Maybe this is my new thing. I'll just call out people that I want on the show, on the show. So, if anyone has a connection to Questlove, Jimmy Jam, or Ice-T, hook me up. I have a ton of others, but I'll stick with hip-hop for this episode. <laughs> oh, and Doodlebug. Doodlebug from Digital Planets. I already have the hookup on that. I meant to have him on the show before the show even started. We were going to have a chat, but uh, somehow 2019 got away from us. So I will reach out and make that happen very soon. So that's it for this week. For links and a transcript, visit singdanceactthrive.com slash 035. Thanks for listening to Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive. Be sure to join the mailing list at dianefoy.com to gain access to exclusive bonus content, a weekly newsletter, and an invitation to our private Facebook group of purpose-driven performing artists and industry influencers. 